Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. Each person's location independent journey is unique. We all have our own creative approach to business, to travel, and to how we blend everything together to manifest our ideal lifestyle. And one of the things that inspires me most day in, day out is when I see our location indie community members consistently taking action towards their goals and leaning on the community along the way, of course, for support and advice. And each month, we highlight one member of our community location indie who's putting in the work that it takes to go location independent or to travel, whatever the case may be. And we highlight them not only to recognize their efforts, but also so we can all learn from their wins, from their setbacks, and from the lessons they learned along the way. And I'm so excited to welcome this month's Location Indie Member of the Month, Lance Wright. Congrats and welcome, Lance. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, Jason. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, we purposely didn't ask you where you were coming from because the last time we spoke, you were in Albania, I believe, which was stop, stop one, a crazy first stop. Usually it's like oh, Paris or London or something like that. Um, where are you now? I'm actually in Vassalboro, Maine, back in the US. I'm kind of at my midway point. Um, oh. So I'm gonna I'm doing a work away here in Maine, and then I'll head at Friday to see my son and do parents weekend at college and a 30th high school reunion, which is weird because I'm not that old. Um, and then home for a little bit. And then I uh, leave for Tokyo on October 6th. So this is right in the middle. It's a great time. All right, great. Uh, well, I'm going to ask you how it is to be back in the States after where you've been, but we should give everybody the overview on what you've been through and what put you on the road in the first place. So um, let's just go a little bit back and start with where the idea kind of started manifesting itself in real life. Because you can think about traveling, you can think about like taking off from your, your job and just kind of getting out there and doing it. So it's one thing to be thinking about it and another thing to be like, all right, now I'm going to like methodically take steps to make this happen. And then you're actually making it happen. And you're coming from a full-time job that you've been working for a long time that you enjoy. So just give everybody kind of the history of, of where you came from with all this. Well, let's see. It probably started when I was 16. So that oh. was 1986. Oh, wait, we don't have to go quite back. Oh, quite okay. <laughs> I got um, my first Walkman in 87. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I really, I've always wanted to travel and for lots of reasons, probably one of the biggest ones being not finding the courage to do it. I never did. I didn't, you know, I, after college, I had the books for Europe and I was going to go backpack and all of that. And I didn't. Um, yeah. And so life kind of takes over. I got married and had a son and all, you know, you just kind of fall into those things. And I think probably what ultimately, it, it's not any one thing, but what really pushed it for this particular trip is um, my dad passed away in September, 2015 and my mom in April, 2016. So whatever that is, six, seven months apart. Um, and there was just a real, you know, I, I don't, 
saving this until I retire at this point. Maybe I won't be able to travel. You know, I've had three knee surgeries. I don't know what the future holds with some of that. And so I think that really changed my perspective about it's, there's no good time. There's no good time to leave. I'm traveling for seven months. You know, there's, it's difficult to do that and leave a job and all those pieces. But I just thought I'm not going to keep waiting because who knows, I, I may wait too long and never get to do it. So yeah. that that really, I think, was the shift for me. And then finding communities like Location Indie and my mastermind group with Isaac's on the call. And so, you know, folks that have been supportive there has been really helpful to um, to plan more specifically and get serious about it. So that probably happened, I don't know. Uh, 18 months ago where it was really like, no, I'm going to actually do this. And so then the negotiation with my partner and (laughs) that is an interesting thing in and of itself. And so, yeah. Funny you mentioned that because that is on the list of things (laughs) that I have to talk about and that I would like to learn a bit about from you. You've been through it. Of course, every person, the, the dynamic between a spouse or a partner or whatever is different for everybody, of course. But I think and, and anything, there can be some overall general lessons to be learned. So let's start with the, this is kind of twofold as I see it, because you have this job that you have to kind of sort out and that's your main sort of work gig, right? And then of course you have your personal life with your family and everything like that. So these two things kind of have to be worked out for you to make a trip like this happen. And just to get, just let everybody know, how long are you on the road for? So seven months, I started June 2nd, and I think I'm scheduled to go back to work January 6th, but you know, that's all a little fuzzy. My calendar's a bit off. I rarely know what day of the week it is when I'm traveling. So, but yeah, that's uh, seven months. Seven months is a good, very solid block time for travel that a lot of people, you know, living sort of the regular day to day would, would love to take seven months to travel. Um, Now your, your job, talk about what you've been doing and... Yeah, just tell us what you do and and how you feel about it. Yeah. So I'm the director of campus activities at Colorado State University. And so it's in the Division of Student Affairs. We do, in my office, programs and services for students. So we focus a lot on diversity and social justice, issues of identity. We also do concerts and comedy. We just announced we're bringing, well, we, I'm not there. They're bringing uh, J-Rock to campus on September 22nd. So that kind of stuff for students outside the classroom, oversee a small art gallery, do some stuff like that. And so um, get to work with great students. I've been in the position. uh, I was gone for my 12th anniversary, actually. I just started traveling when it would have been my 12th anniversary, so... Yeah. This sounds like that sounds like a sweet job, like especially yeah. at a university and everything. And yeah. Fort Collins is a wonderful town. Being mm-hmm. they lived in Colorado, hey, and it just gave me an idea when you were talking. I was like, when you come back and I come through Colorado next time, maybe we have to make you one of the student events. We'll come in and do an interview, and people can learn about what it's like to take time off to travel. <laughs> that would be great. I would love that. That would be great. I've always wanted to do like a live podcast on campus and have people come and do that. So yeah. <laughs> Do it. Uh, Okay. So obviously it sounds like this is fulfilling in a variety of ways for you. I mean, you're fulfilled, you're, you're helping students and you're also able to make a good living. You like where you live. None of that stuff seemed to be a big issue, but the travel thing was still lingering. And I think this is something that a lot of interviews I do, there's, or, you know, I get emails that people hate their job and they're ready to leave. Like that's kind of a no brainer because you're like, oh, well, like, yeah, if travel's the alternative and I hate my job, let me get out of this. But when you actually like your job, um, and you, you enjoy your life and where you're at, 
it can be a little harder to kind of figure out how you're going to detach from that. And it can be scarier to let potentially let something go. So what was the plan there? And and what I want to get out of this is kind of like some advice from you on what people should, not what they should do in this situation, because everybody has it within themselves to decide what to do, but kind of maybe how to, how to think about it. And what were you thinking about when you, when you were going into this conversation to say, Hey, I want to travel. Were you going to quit? Were you going to ask for leave of absence? What was the whole plan? Yeah. So, you know, I think that the irony is it almost made it easier and that's not the right way to say it, but in some ways there was a benefit to having a job I really liked because I knew it was a great job. I knew I worked with great people and I was unhappy. And so I was like, okay, this is not, it's not about the job. I have a really good job. I have a job a lot of people would love to have, and I'm still not content and not happy and really want something different. And so yeah, in some ways that part was easier of like, I've got to do something. It's not like I'm going to, I'm not going to find a job I like more necessarily. And so that helped me get clarity about, gosh, if I'm unhappy and not even, not terribly unhappy, but not content, not feeling like my energy's there for the job, the way it used to be, you know, those pieces, then, then I really need to do something. In yeah. terms of the the job, the approach I took was, so I'm on a leave of absence is what, that's the end of the story first. Um, I'm on a seven-month leave of absence, so I will go back to the position in January. But when I went to my boss to ask for that, I was prepared to resign my job because I knew that that was a huge ask. And, I, and so I said that to him. I was, we have a great relationship, and I was pretty honest just to say, look, I'm going to ask for a leave, and if you have to say no, I get that because this sets precedent for other people, right? There's a lot to that. It's going to, people are going to have to step up differently. It's a, hopefully it's a loss to the organization if I'm gone. Um, I'd like to believe that. Uh, And so if if you have to say, I know, I understand that and I'm going to travel for seven months. And so I think I had gotten to that point. And so that made it a little bit, it was very scary. Don't get me wrong. I was, you know, I I don't want to disappoint my boss. Like I said, he's a great guy and we have a good relationship. And, um, but I knew going in what my end game was. And I think that was really important. If I would have been kind of like, I think if I would have been waffling or not certain or not really committed, that conversation could have been pretty different. And so I didn't have anything to lose by asking for the leave of absence because the reality was I was prepared to do something way more drastic if that didn't work. And so, and I hadn't even, to be honest, I hadn't even really thought about the leave of absence. I just, my mindset was I'll have to resign and then I'll figure it out when I get back. And one of my colleagues and a good friend said, well, why don't you ask for a leave? (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah. But you know, I mean, it didn't, I just assumed that that wouldn't be available. And so luckily I have good people around me who reminded me to be a little smarter about that. Yeah. That's well, that's the first huge point. I think the plot of this is ask, right? There's a great book by Amanda Palmer. I think it's called Ask. Uh, It's all about just asking for things. And that can be hard for some people. But like you said, I mean, the thought didn't cross your mind to ask for leaves of absence because you just kind of assumed it wouldn't happen until it was brought to your attention. So I think you're doing everybody a service right now listening to this by bringing it to their attention and saying, hey, if you like your job or maybe you're, you're not, you don't have, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not content. I was like, miscontent, uncontent, whatever. Anyway, uh, malcontent. Oh, wait, that's malcontent. different. Not, not a malcontent. No, that's no, different. No, no, that's <laughs> um, but yeah, The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Thanks, Casey, my trusty sidekick over here. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, that, that right there, just asking for the leave of absence. But then also, I think being willing to let it go. Like, how long did it take you to get to that point, knowing you liked the job, but you weren't happy? Did it, how long did it take you to work up to the point where you actually accepted internally that you were willing to walk in and let it go? Was that a process for you? Was that like a one day you woke up and you're like, you know what? Screw it. Uh, maybe both of those. It was definitely a process It took, and, and I don't know. I mean, there was, you know, the, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not doing it. What's happening. Why am I not, you know, like, so the back and forth and yeah. that it, it probably took me eight or six months would be my guess to really, again, my mastermind group was helpful with that, talking through it. And it, it took me a while to get to that point. And I do think there was some point, which we'll get into the the personal part a little in a minute, I'm sure. But there was a point where it was kind of like one day I just woke up and was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm prepared to resign my job. And so it was a process. And then there was just kind of a a line that I hit that at that point, the decision was done. And I was, I knew that that's the direction I was heading. Not that I didn't have second thoughts, but there, there definitely was, as they say, a flip of the switch at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. And I think that can be encouraging for people listening, knowing it's really easy to beat yourself up when you're in that headspace, that mm-hmm. the headspace that maybe you were in, in those six to eight month period where you're just, you're waffling. You said, I'm not doing it. And, and you can kind of be hard on yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because you're just not taking action towards something you want to do. And it's kind of like, well, what's wrong with me? But it's also, I've, I've found in my own personal life and just through these conversations, it seems to be on some level, a natural part of big decisions as mm-hmm. well. So I think that's important to, um, to highlight as, as well. And then uh, the ask, I, I guess in your situation, you didn't really write up some kind of thing. But the third thing I just want to kind of highlight, and then we can talk about the situation with your spouse and your family and everything so we can get all personal. <laughs> that may be more complicated. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's how you ask too, right? I mean, you were just, it sounded like you were very much hat in hand, kind of like very much acknowledging the struggle that it's going to be for them. Mm-hmm. And saying, hey, I understand it's this for you, it's this for you, it's this for you. So if you can't do it, that makes total sense. And that's way different than somebody coming in with an aggressive attitude and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I have to do this. Me, 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 me. It sounds like you were very focused on the organization first because that's the type of person you are. Um, and I think if you're thinking about having a conversation like this, that is 100% the way to go in and have the conversation thinking from their perspective. So, and any disagreements there? (laughs) I mean, I guess what I would say is I'm really, I was, I'm very invested in the place I work. I'm invested in the Lori Student Center, which is the, where I work on campus. I'm invested in the division and the university and I have great relationships. And so the top of mind for me was to not damage any of those relationships on the, along the way while being true to myself. If, mm-hmm. if I was in a position I really didn't like or where I felt like I wasn't valued, that's the other thing I felt very valued in the position and cared for. If that wouldn't have been the case, I might have been more willing to say, hey, to hell with you, I'm just leaving. <laughs> like, you know, that maybe that would have been an option. But I, even if I would have had to resign, these were people that I would still want to have in my life and I would still be connected with and would probably be back in the field of higher ed and student affairs. And so, mm-hmm that was really important to me that to maintain that. And so that, I think that played a lot into that decision of how to do it. Um, Again, still trying to maintain, 
I have something I need and want for myself and not letting that get lost in the trying to satisfy others. And that's hard for me. I, that's a fine line that I'm often on the wrong side of. Yeah. A quick logistical question. Do they let you keep your benefits and all that type of stuff when you take a leave of absence? I'm not sure how that works. And this is going to be a case-by-case basis, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think because it's at a university and we have the model of a sabbatical in place, right. they're, they're prepared to do that. So yeah, basically I'm paying... And actually, the great part was they're still paying the part of my benefits they paid, and I'm paying the part that would have come out of my paycheck. I just write them a check every month, or Dee does. So yeah, that's great. So we're covered. You know, I might not have worried about it for me, but with my son and Dee on the insurance, it was important that we stay covered. So we're just paying that portion. Yeah. Okay. And let's talk about your personal life now. (laughs) Are you ready? Um... No, really. I mean, this is, again, like I said before, this is going to vary so much person to person. But the important thing, I think, is making sure that resentment doesn't build up and that you're communicating, right? And if you have this strong desire to the point where you're ready to leave your job, and this is something you really want to do, and this is something you've talked about wanting to do since you were 16 years old, um, and now you have this, you're feeling like this opportunity is you're going to make this a reality. Now you have to have these conversations, right? Um, you don't have to get like super personal with all the conversations, but if you want to just share a little bit about that process and kind of what you learned from it, I think that would be helpful. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, what I would say is that the conversation was ongoing even before making the decision. Um, and through some of my own work, that I had been doing through therapy and things like that, to be honest, I had, I was working on our relationship anyway. And so this part, to be honest, didn't, it wasn't that much harder than some of the other conversations we were having. But what was important, I think, was to get clear of what we both wanted. And at the point that I knew this is something I wanted to do, it's, the traveling solo was not the priority for me. So it wasn't that this is something I had to do alone. I would have been happy traveling with Didi and doing this together. And certainly she's finishing a PhD right now. And I said, look, you know, I'm happy to wait. And at the point, finally, after lots of conversations, she was able to tell me, I don't want to do that. I don't want to travel for six months or seven months. I don't want to be gone that long. Um, and that was, that was where we were able to negotiate something different because I knew I did want that. Um, and so I think, and again, you'd, I guess, have to ultimately ask her, I think we're in a really good place with it where, you know, her and my son, Jared, join me in Croatia and Greece. Um, she's coming to Thailand. Jared will join us in Cambodia and Laos. So she's getting two great international trips in the span of six months, and I'm getting what I need. The other thing I would say is we just, I was gone for it, but we just had our 24th anniversary in August. And so I would not have done this in my first five, 10, maybe even my first 20 years of marriage. I don't know how that would have worked. And so we were at a place in time where my son has left for college and it, it made sense in that way. But that was, I needed to be thoughtful and discerning about whether it was the right time. And like I said, there's no right time whether it was a good enough time, I guess, is the way I'll say it. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the I, you know, if we hadn't been doing the other work and trying to engage in our relationship, you know, it's it's a scary prospect for anybody who has kids of, we, we just have one son and we spent 18 years really investing in him. 
and really putting him first, which I, no regrets about, but I think we both had that kind of like, what's going to happen when he's gone and where's our relationship going to be? And we had started to deal with that and have that conversation. And that made having this conversation specifically about the travel, just part of the larger conversations we were having. Yeah. Okay. And it sounds like getting to the root of, hey, do you, is this something you even want to do is an important lesson too, because the sooner you yeah. can get to that, the sooner you can kind of both move forward with your plans, right? Yeah. It sounds like that was another, not switch flipping moment, but another sort of kind of really concrete point where you're like, okay, now you can make, because when it comes to travel, you have, at some point you have to book travel and do all the logistics. So it's a lot easier to know how to move forward when you have a plan. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a huge moment for us, for me to get good clarity. And I think it was hard for her. I think she wanted to want to travel this way with me, but she did not And so right. that, that gave me a lot of freedom at that point to say, great, like, I'm going to do it. Let's figure out when you can join me. And so that was I appreciated her for sharing that with me because I know that that wasn't that easy. Cause again, I think there's a piece of like, of course I want to do this, but she didn't, it's just not the way she's wired, you know? And so we needed to negotiate that. And it would be a different experience, of course, solo versus being with your partner. How has the solo travel experience been for you and what have you learned? Um, it's been great. I've really, this has been, um, one of the best things I've ever done. So I, you know, three months in, I couldn't, it's not that it's all been easy. There's been times of being lonely, I think is pretty standard with solo travel. Um, but it's been great overall. And I've had a wonderful experience. I think in terms of what I've learned, one of the things, and I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of morbid, but I really don't mean it as morbid. You know, the fact that I'm going back to the same job and I'm not, we didn't move to another city. And so it's not, you know, we're not all wrapped up in a transition. I'm still watching my life at home go on. It's kind of like if I had died, but I did, that's the morbid part because I'm watching everything happen and like right. life goes on, you know, and that was a really important piece for me of, I'm important to my family and I'm important to my work, but I'm not indispensable and I need to act on what I want to do and not be so motivated by what others want from me. And so seeing that, and like, like I said, getting to watch from a distance, things are going on. Like the school year started at CSU without me and they had a great start and it was wonderful. And I've got, you know, I'll take some credit for, I hired really good people who did an excellent job with me being gone. And all of that happened. And so that I think that's probably been the biggest learning piece of at some point, I need to not be so motivated by others. And I think that's, that's a lot of the work I need to figure out or not, not, it's good to be motivated by others, but not making my decisions based on what I perceive others want for me. And often don't even know if that's what they want for me, because it's the crap in my head saying, they're going to be mad at me or they're going to dislike me if I do, you know, it's all the internal stuff. Yeah. So that's been a huge lesson of like, yeah, this, this is going to be okay. Yeah. It's interesting how, um, you know, when, when you travel, you're, of course you're stepping into a new culture and you're stepping into a new way of life and all this stuff, but you're also stepping out of your old life mm -hmm. in some sense. Right. And getting a chance to look back on it in a way that you can't really do when you're in the midst of it. And that can lead to a lot of 
big breakthroughs like this, I think. And I mean, if you want to call it a breakthrough or not, but insights, I suppose I would say. Um, do you think that particular insight or maybe some other one has changed what you'll do after this? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's changed. You mean in terms of profession or just how I will be as a person? Like any anything. It's kind of an open-ended yeah. question yeah. purposely. Okay. I think it it does change how I will be because I think part of my you know, and again, I'm, I'm pretty willing to share whatever. So um, part of my hangup has always been that desire to meet the needs of other people. And to, and again, not even based on what they would say, but what I based, what I believe they believed. And that's a really dangerous place to be because you tend to sell yourself a lot of garbage about how other people, or at least I do, right. how other people believe about me. And I think this is, and again, this was all a buildup, not just the trip, but for me, I think the trip is the culmination of a lot of work I had been doing to not do that anymore. And I feel really changed. We'll see when I go back in January, but I feel changed about that, that my ability to boundary set, my ability to pursue some of the things I want, while still being empathetic and thoughtful of others is going to be clearer than probably it's ever been in my life. You know, yeah. I'm 48, so it's about time I figure some of this stuff out. But <laughs> <laughs> it takes time, man. We're all figuring stuff out. Um, no, that's a beautiful thing, and these are the kind of things that you can never predict. Insights like this mm-hmm. that come through travel, and it doesn't mean they can't come other ways. Of course, that's the way life is. But for a lot of us that have the desire to travel, I think that's a huge catalyst for unexpected self-development or, or, you know, insights in that way. So um, outside of that, I mean, talk about the highlights of of the trip, the travel itself, because we all love travel here. They're on this call, everybody listening. Uh, So yeah, what are some of the things you've seen and done along the way that have been positive experiences for you? Well, so I know you, you mentioned Albania maybe being a strange place to start. It is the place to start. So if folks want to go, it's great. It's a wonderful country. And I had hoped that, but there was a risk because it doesn't, it's hard to find out as much information, um, but it's a beautiful country with wonderful people. You know, they have a full Mediterranean coast, just like Montenegro, just like Croatia, just like Greece. They have mountains. Um, there are some challenges in Albania. The The travel is difficult. The trans, The actual transportation moving around is difficult. There's no train, but I am so happy that I went there now because I don't know how many places are left that, you know, I really believe if I get the opportunity to go back there in 20 years, my mind's going to be blown at how different it is. It's a country that's changing quickly. And so I'm really happy to have been able to see that and make some connections. And it just, I really enjoyed it. And I met some great folks and um, I couldn't, I can't think of a better place to have started easy to say now, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, but that was great. Um, other highlights, and I think think learnings, probably one of the biggest ones was when Didi and Jared were with me, we um, went to Greece. And so we got to Athens and Didi was looking around on her phone at things to do. And um, Yo-Yo Ma was playing at the theater that's on the hill at the Acropolis. So it's this theater wow. that's, you know, 2000 years old. There's been a lot of butts in those seats over the years. And, uh, there's no way we're going to get tickets, right? That's just, it's not possible. So I do the whole credit card thing, like 
calling the concierge. Hi, I have your stupid expensive credit card. Can you get me tickets? Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. No surprise. And I said, what? Let's just go down there. What's the worst that can happen? We'll be at the Acropolis. It's our first night in Athens. We'll have dinner, you know, fully expecting not to get in. So we walk up to the ticket booth and, you know, I'm feeling kind of like an idiot because I'm like, I'm sure everybody's asking like, so any chance you had any tickets returned tonight? (laughs) Yeah, actually we did. And they're half price and they're in the 12th row. Okay. Yeah. We want those. We want three of those. We want them real fast right now. Please give them to us. (laughs) So we saw Yo-Yo Ma in this theater that, I mean, every, every five minutes he's turning around and looking at the theater and you can tell he's overwhelmed. And it was just a great lesson in, you just got to try. And again, there was no loss for us when yes. we don't get in, which is what we expected. We're, we're having dinner in Athens under the Acropolis, which is not such a bad deal. And so it was a really great, yeah, give it a shot and see what happens. And th- there's no real disappointment there. And it was amazing. It was everything you would imagine. <laughs> That's great. Uh, this was me the other night outside of the Wilco show. I got, I bought a ticket outside for like less than half price and got in. It was sold out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You can do that in your hometown too, right? <laughs> now that's wonderful. Um, you know, one of the things, cause you mentioned your wife and son coming to visit you and we talk a lot about, of course, lifestyle design and how we're going to kind of figure things out and morph our lifestyles and our work to fit around our lifestyles. Um, you're on a sabbatical, so it's a bit of a different situation for you. But you've essentially taken the lifestyle principle and applied it to travel by going solo and working this out with your family, but also, like you said, having them come out for a couple trips. And I think that's probably, I would guess, been a great experience for you because you don't have to be away from your family for so long and you still maintain that connection. It must have been wonderful to see them again after being on the road for a while. Yeah, it was, it was great. And um, we had a wonderful trip. One of the things I've always said, which is true for us is, you know, we've got our quirks and pitfalls as our little family of three, but we've always traveled together. Well, we all like to travel. We all enjoy it. Um, I think we like each other better. Sometimes when we travel, we always love each other, but you know, especially with kids, you have those moments of like, really is that, I don't know how I'm feeling about you today. And we've always traveled together. Well, and so that was, we had a ball and I, I'm super thankful. Um, I haven't seen him since July 12th. So I am a little homesick. I'm really glad I made this time to come home between Europe and Asia um, and to be there. And, and so I'm really excited to, I'm, I don't know how excited my son is, but I'm crashing his college apartment for four nights and <laughs> staying with him and his roommates. I think he's a little freaked out, but you know, that's called okay. cramping his style. Lance. You know what? That's, I figured I pay the rent, so I, it seems <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, the, the other piece of this is he's at the University of Kansas, and I went to school there, so I'm an alum. So I, I won't bother him at all. Oh. I have plenty that I want to do to enjoy Lawrence without him. And so you have seniority. You're going to be at, right. at the old haunts. So yeah. probably not even going to see you for four days. That's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited. And my Didi's 50th birthday is September 30th. So I'm going to be here for that. And we're, we're doing some parties and celebrations with friends and family. So this is, for me, this has been great to have come home. You know, I had that, like, is this stupid? Should I do this? You can get to Asia from Europe kind of moment. But now that I'm here, I'm really grateful that I chose to do this and have this yeah. time in the middle. Outside of seeing the family, is it nice to be back in the U.S.? 
It is, you know, it's a little bit weird. So coming to Maine, I'd never been to Maine and I'm doing a work away. So it feels similar. I, I've done three work. I hadn't done any work aways and now I've done three in a row. And so, you know, which is just a work exchange program for people hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, trade for lodging and in the case of the ones I've been doing food, which is great. So I think I've paid for three nights of lodging in the last, um, I don't know, five or six weeks. So it's great. It's been wonderful. I'm super grateful, but you know, I, I'm in it. I'm still in a very new place to me. I've never been to Maine. I'm still doing the work away. So I don't feel quite like I'm, yeah. it's not like being home yet. It still what feels like traveling. Um, I'm at a farm. It's called full circle farms in Vassalboro, Maine. And I'm doing, they have some rental properties. So I, I was raking trash out of the yard yesterday and farming and do all kinds of stuff. It's been great. A lot of fun. Did, all right. How does it feel to, um, all right. So in your regular job, it sounds like you're pretty high up in what you do. You have a lot of responsibility, people working under you. And then you go and do a job like this. And it, of course, there's nothing wrong with any work, but I'm bringing this up because it's dramatically different from what you do at home. And it makes you think about things, I, I feel, when you do different types of jobs that aren't, you know, you're kind of stripping away all the importance and identity or cloud or whatever you want to call whatever everybody builds up in their professional career and how that works on your ego and all that. And then you're out on a farm cleaning up trash and you're the low man on the totem pole. <laughs> yeah. uh, talk about that, that experience. That's a great question. Um, and I, you know, what I'd like to say is, Oh, it's great. And I'm just being humble. And there's times when I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this and letting people tell me what, so I have both, you know, and, like I said, I wish I could just say it's been all, oh, it's no problem. And I've just adjusted. I definitely have those moments of like, am I, is the cost benefit analysis working for me? Like, is this worth a free night's lodging to be, I've got blisters on both my hands. Like, <laughs> you know, is this, is this worth that? And um, so, so both are true. I think, um, you know, my, my history is my dad was owned a drywall company and I came from a very blue collar family and worked to, to get away from that. And I think there's some level of, it's nice to work hard and it's nice not to think like if you tell me to go out today, I've been, you know, cutting the runners off of trees and getting the farm looking nice and mowing a little bit. It's, it's nice not to have to be the decision maker or think and to let like, my hope is to to have the host that I'm staying with feel good about the work I'm doing. And so there's something pretty nice about just doing that. Um, and I recognize there's a lot of privilege because I do have the position I have and I'm in that opportunity to, to be a director and to do, you know, and so it's easy to say that I get, I wouldn't want to do it every day. I'll be honest yeah, with you're you. You're <laughs> stepping into it for temporary time. Yeah. But it still does interesting things to the mind, I think. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's been great. And I really do. Um, it makes me realize that there's something special. And I, I don't know that I'll say this well about working with your hands that I've lost some of, and, and I don't do much. And so it has me excited to do more of that when I get home and, and that feeds me in a different way. Yeah. I find that yeah, different job experiences like that. You, you learn so much from all of them for mm-hmm. sure. Um, just a couple more things. Cause I know we, you know, you probably have to go and clean up some trash or something. <laughs> uh, we're with some location members here live and the chat box is going and somebody uh, put in Casey, put in your, 
your website, the midlifecrisistraveler.com, which is awesome. So we should drop that. And this is a blog that you decided to kind of do for fun. Is that right? I mean, because we're going to get in sort of the business discussion because I yeah. feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because we've, we've been chatting within the community and everything. It seems like there was some consideration in the beginning that this would be something that you'd pursue like sort of professionally as a side kind of entrepreneurial thing. But then at some point you kind of decided you're just going to do this for fun. Um, is that right? And just talk about that. Yeah, it, I'll be really honest. I still have a lot of dissonance around this. And so I, I would like to figure out what would it look like to monetize it in theory. And it really is so far the writing I've done has been my reflection on my trip. And that's been really important for me to do. Um, and I'm not a good journaler. I don't do that naturally. And so committing to put it on the blog has been a little bit of fire under my feet to do it. And so it really has been more of a reflective experience. And I haven't been writing the sort of blog posts that are probably going to be generally helpful to another travel. I hope they're interesting and maybe entertaining. I, I feel like it's more storytelling than, you know, I haven't done any of the kind of the 10 best places to stay sort of post. And I would like to figure out how to do that. I don't feel like I have that skill set, but it really, yeah, it really has been more of a reflective, you know, when I, when I watch the, what you should do for a good blog, I'm doing all the things wrong. I'm writing about myself and my reflections in those pieces. And so, and it's great. I, I love doing it. And the people who love and care about me, I think have enjoyed that. Um, but I do still have dissonance. It's not, I don't know if I'm as clean with the decision as, as you made it sound, Jason. I think I'm still like, but maybe I should be trying to monetize it. Maybe is this... You're in the six to eight month waffle yes. period? <laughs> yes, for sure. Still on that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's okay. And I mean, again, just like the other thing and every other process, I feel like you're you're learning so much no matter what you do. You're You're creating something, you're putting something out there, putting personal things out there. I mean, even just that is building some kind of muscle, right? Because uh, I mean, at least for me, a lot of the fear at first came around just putting anything out that I wrote, mm -hmm. even if like three people were reading it, mm -hmm. you know, um, or two people, or in, in my case, one person, my mom, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, it, there's all those sorts of other muscles that are required for entrepreneurship, I think as well. And a creative exercise like this blog that you're running and, um, everything you're doing with it, I think is, um, yeah, is, is great. And it sounds like it took a kind of a weight off to not put so much pressure on making this a thing while you travel, which is in all other discussion, kind of like, are you going to just settle into a travel experience? Or are you going to try to work while you go and take your business seriously? Because that does change the travel experience as everybody in this call can attest to. I'm seeing some heads shaking. <laughs> Definitely some head shaking going on from the other location in the members here. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little like, I'm excited to go back to my job. Like I said, I'm, I, I think it's going to be great and I'll be energized. And I'm a little bit nervous that I'm starting to shift a little more towards what would it look like if I tried to make money online? What would it look like if I really could be location independent? You know, the, I've really enjoyed, I, I joked earlier that, you know, I, I never know what day it is. I usually know the number, but I never know the day of the week. And like, I like that. That feels really, you know, it feels like a lot of life is sort of a, 
a weekend and I still have things I need to do, but it's my time and my schedule. And so I, the, the transition back, I'm glad I'm not there yet, but it's going to be interesting. And I'm not real sure how I'm feeling about it at this point. Well, has what freedom means to you changed personal freedom? Yeah, I think, you know, there is, and again, I have a great boss, but that desire to not have a boss <laughs> is a, has become more appealing since I've been doing this for sure. And that desire to be able to um, make decisions pretty spur of the moment that I want to make has been really nice. And there's also some freedom in solo travel. Like some of that's, I feel a different responsibility as much as I like it when Didi and Jared are with me. I feel a different responsibility for their happiness that like, you know, I'm a, my, my democracy right now is made up of one. And so I just need one vote to be happy and that's it. And there's a lot of pretty cool freedom in that, you yeah. know, I still get it wrong sometimes and I get mad at myself and that even the one vote doesn't come in the way I'd like, but there, there is a lot of freedom to it that I've, you know, discovered that, I I don't see not including this in my future some way, maybe not as long, maybe not as regular, but I think it'll always be part of what I do. Is some other switch flipping? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be. But I'm it, procrastinating on that because I don't have to decide yet. So I'm actively not thinking too much about it. Well, I think that's great advice too, because sometimes you just have to soak in a travel experience and think on it a little bit more of those bigger questions later. And, um, you know, if the flip does switch, we're here for you, my man. Uh, <laughs> you've certainly, uh, inspired us, uh, over your time in location, Indy and seeing you going from this idea to like the things you need to do to make it a reality to then talking to you on the road while you're doing the trip. Uh, I really appreciate everything that you shared here today. And, um, I want to thank everybody that's listening and everybody that's here from the community and we look forward to continuing to follow your journey, man, and catch up with you at the end of it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really appreciate the, this has been great just to reflect and think a little bit, some of the questions and, you know, Jason, your question about, so what's it, I hadn't thought about what it was like to be in a really different position work-wise. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously I knew that was the case, but I hadn't really sat down and reflected on that. So yeah. I mean, thank you. And now I'll probably be thinking about it all day. So thank you. Kind of. <laughs> Thanks a lot, pal. Thanks a lot. And thank uh, you. Yes. <laughs> Food for thought. This microphone's giving me blisters on my hands. So I, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> God, I become so soft. Uh, Lance is out there working his butt off. I'm over here holding this microphone. Um, now, man, thanks so much for sharing your stories. The midlife crisis traveler. I really loved the... Um, the letter you published to your son too. Mm -hmm. I, I got, I got a little watery eyed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I got kids and everything. So, you know, that can happen, but, um, touching stuff. So go check that out. And, um, thanks Lance. We'll, we'll be chatting with you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.